Welcome to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Goal podcast, your destination for all things lacrosse. I'm your host, Kyle Devitt, in the studio, Mr. Jack Pitello. Jack, how are we doing? Good holiday season. Have you started doing your, your shopping yet? You got me on your list? Well, I thought I was done, and then you mentioned that you wanted something. So <laughs> I'm going to have to go back to the well because I do all my shopping between Black Friday and Cyber Monday. So because I'm a lacrosse writer. It's not a lot of spirit come to throw out. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I got a great gift for you. I got some Springfield College gear for you. You can't tell you what. You can have this car <laughs> cap. All right. Let's let's welcome our guest. It's Vassar head coach, John McCurry. Coach, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. It should be fun. He, coach came on battling a little bit of sickness. We appreciate the warrior mentality joining us here. I guess kind of the... My first question is, one of the reasons I, I wanted to talk to you is, one of my kids really wants to go to Vassar. And I was like, I guess I don't know a lot about Vassar, so I should talk to the coach. And now you're here, so I get to talk to you. Can you kind of give me the the short pitch on the school and your program? All right. Well, Vassar is an incredible school, right? It's like one of those schools that's very similar to Amherst and Williams, right? Nationally ranked in the top 10 for liberal arts colleges academically. It's really the big pitch is like, you come to Vassar, we get a job. Right. Kind of like we're like the best academic D3 lacrosse school in the New York metro area. Very NESCAC like, but not in New England. Right. So, but we do play in the Liberty League. So it is very competitive lacrosse. And then ultimately we're a little bit bigger than our peers as well. Um, roughly about 2,800 students. Um, but the campus is quite big. Right. So it's about, I don't know. You could probably put like, if I worked at Williams, I used to coach at Williams and you could put like probably four Williamses on our campus. Right. And it's just, it's a cool spot, but really it's about the academic opportunity that you get at Bassett. Coach, looking at your resume, you've actually traveled quite a bit in your coaching career, Adams State, Santa Cruz, and you were down in Mississippi as well doing some coaching. What is lacrosse like in Mississippi? Well, when I was there, I think there might've been one high school program down in the Gulf, but most of it, oh, the University of Mississippi is near Memphis. So there is some pretty solid lacrosse in Memphis with Christian Brothers and MUS and other programs like that. So actually, when I went to Ole Miss for continuing education and just got involved in coaching the club team and then helping out lacrosse in the area. And is coaching something you always wanted to do? Obviously, you have a passion for it because you don't see a lot of resumes. I mean, you've traveled to, to get a lot of experience and you don't see a, a lot of travel, a number of coaches' resumes. Yeah, no. So I'm from California. I'm originally from California. So not many NCAA head coaches from California, I don't think. But really, I always wanted to be a high school football lacrosse coach. You're a history teacher. Ever since I was in high school, that was like my thing. And I did that after after college. And that's when I started coaching at UC Santa Cruz. I was actually teaching, coaching football, coaching high school across and at night during um, the MCLA team at UC Santa Cruz. And then the Adam State thing was the head coach that started the program was Jason Lamb. And he's an incredible coach. And I wanted to learn from him and, and an opportunity just to see what it's like, right? To, to make myself a better coach, to learn from Jason. And then... 
I was there for a year and he left to go to Notre Dame and I got stuck with the, <laughs> the head coaching tag for a couple of years, which I learned a lot because I was young. I was like 25 as a head coach in D2. It's the second mention of Jason Lamb on the podcast in two consecutive podcasts. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I, I didn't really tell the full story, but he actually is a real huge part of my development as a lacrosse person, not even just a player. I met him at a camp in Arizona when he was coaching you way back yeah. in the day. And one of just like the nicest, like there's a, there's a coaches in my mind were always screamers or just kind of low talkers. And like, we just didn't want to disappoint them. Right. Yeah. He was something he, he is the first guy I met in any coaching in any sport I played that really just like made me feel like he cared about what I was doing. And those kind of coaches, that's kind of become the norm now that that's a, that's a real thing, but I had never experienced it before. And he really inspired me to, to keep playing and keep fighting to, to get a spot. Cause you know, I'm, I'm undersized and not that skilled, but I, what'd you say? Then, what'd, you, what'd you say? What'd you say? I said, I was, I, I was, I am still undersized. And back then I was underskilled and instilled uh, a nice work ethic in me and, and just like basically told me he believed in me. And I was like, Whoa, that happens. Could just say that to you. He's a great human being. So that's, that's awesome that he's part of your story as well. Yeah, no, Jason's an incredible person and really helped me develop. Even though it was a short year, he helped me develop into a better coach and person. And I still talk to him today. Try to reach out. Haven't talked to him in a little bit, but usually in the convention, we spend some time together. So I'm looking forward to it. Talk a little bit about your schedule, looking at it. Out of conference, very competitive. And then your conference is one of the most competitive conferences in the country. Yeah. It, it, it is challenging. Just a, a big, a big part in, in the, the challenge of it is we are so different than any school in our league, right? The academic requirements and we don't have any graduate school. So <laughs> no fifth years, no six years. We, you graduate in four years from Vassar, like no summer school. You, you're take four classes a semester and you're done. You already have your job offer by like before your senior year, right? So. It is, we, it, it's a fun conference to be in because it, it is super competitive and all the coaches are pretty close to each other and there's a good camaraderie in the league. It also helps that I don't ever cro really ever cross recruit for any of them. So. <laughs> no one can be mad at me. <laughs> uh, but that's it, a good thing. That's a great thing. Yeah. No, exactly. But it is, it is a battle, right? I mean, we didn't have the season that we wanted last year, but they were all fairly close games with top programs. Just going through your roster, guys from all over the country here, uh, plenty of New England guys, but I mean, Florida, Virginia, Maryland, Georgia, New Jersey, California. I mean, it's it seems like a very diverse group that you're pulling from to make this team. Is that Do you put that down to your approach to recruiting or also the academic part of the school being such a huge draw? Two things. Yeah, exactly. So we have to recruit nationally to find the, the players that are academically eligible, right? But the other part is I strongly believe in creating this kind of mosaic to add to our team culture, right? I want guys from all different backgrounds and different diversity and different parts of the country that comes in and strengthens our team culture, right? So we do have like our areas that we do focus on recruiting. And then randomly, we can get a guy that we really like and that comes to our Paramount camp and it 
Like we have a goalie this year, a freshman from Indiana. We've never had a kid from Indiana before, right? So uh, I'm all about seeing the growth in so many different areas of the country and seeing their experiences and their backgrounds that add to the team. Talk a little bit about your assistant coaches. And yeah. uh, do you have full control over the recruiting or are they involved in it? How much of an influence are you on the defensive side and offensive side? Okay, so this is the first year that I'm coaching offense in nine years. <laughs> and that's because Coach Draws, who was our offensive coordinator for the last two years, left to follow in my footsteps and went to Williams to go work for Coach McCormick, which is awesome. Great for him. So I switched over because CJ White was our second assistant and he was promoted to the first assistant and he as a, wanted to coach the defense. And I'm 100% supportive of that. So Coach White, who's a New England guy, right? He played at Hobart, um, but from Pingree. So he went to Pingree School. And he's the defense coordinator now. I'm office coordinator. So I br we brought in another assistant from the Capital Region, Albany. He played at Penn State, and he's going to help out with the offense. And then we have, uh, we have an alum that's been with the program for a long time now because he works in the area, and he helps out. He was a goalie here. He, he coached at. Stevens, he's coached at Richmond, but now he coaches the Preds and works at home. So he's in the area. So we, we do have a lot of support. Now, recruiting wise, uh, Coach White and myself do most of it. We're just getting Coach Maloney from our new offensive assistant into it. So we're training him on what we're looking for. Actually, Coach White is on a plane right now to Seattle for the Space Needle shootout. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so mainly it's myself and Coach White right now. Yeah. And looking, Further at your schedule, you play a ton of teams in New England, obviously. And to give people an idea of how competitive the Liberty League is, right? The Vassar beat teams like Keene State, LaSalle, Emerson, Wheaton. I mean, Keene State is is one of the better teams in, in New Hampshire. And to you beat them fairly handily. So the level, I think, that people associate with Division Three is always like, okay, well, here's the bar here. Here's the bar here. But Liberty League is is one of the most competitive divisions next to the NESCAC, I think, that's out there. I think you could go Centennial, ODAC, Liberty, NESCAC, all of that is super competitive and not just on the field, but as you said, kind of in the classroom. And I know that the Vassar is a high academic level. What what are some of the main majors that you guys offer that are drawing all these these So the two most popular majors on the team are gonna be econ and pre-med, right? So, so it gets a little difficult. Roughly about 35% of the team is pre-med, right? So scheduling cool. practices are fun. And a big reason is ultimately we found our niche. A lot of coaches don't recruit pre-med guys and we can get very talented division one level guys um, to come here because they can't play pre-med if they're going to division one or something like that. Right. Um, and also Vassar statistically right now is one of the top pre-med schools in the country. So that's kind of like what like our crazy stats, like we get 85% in the medical school in the first try, right? So that is like what we do. And the econ is because it's lacrosse and guys that want to be near a city, work finance, all that stuff. It's pretty easy. We're on the Metro North to easily get in and out of the city for like an internship interview, back perhaps any classes kind of thing, right? Outside of that, it runs the gamut. Film is popular here too. One of our best players is a film major, right? So film, pre-law, engineering, computer science, philosophy, it kind of just ranges the, the gamut and two most popular in the econ and pre-med. You talked about your players 
their goal going to Vassar, come out of there with a, a job? Where do uh, a number of your players end up career-wise? So we're, so it's going to be the most, it's going to be in New York City, right? They're going to be in the city. There's going to be like Boston, San Francisco, Chicago. Now, it, it depends on like if they're going right out of college to, to the jobs, which most of them do, or they go right to grad school, right? And I guess the grad school is like wherever they go. But most, most of the econ guys are going to go to the city for finance jobs, either like UBS, Goldman, something like that. I, I want to kind of follow up on the recruiting angle because I've talked to a couple of coaches that are at schools that are very specifically oriented, right? Like, for example, like I, I used to coach at Daniel Webster and we were in aviation school. So guess what? I'm only competing with Embry-Riddle. Awesome. We're all going after the same kids, but they only have a couple of choices. And with you guys being one of the top pre-med schools, I mean, that's got to be crazy to do your practice schedule around and your game schedule because those kids can't miss things, right? Like that's how, did, how much of that consideration goes into building not just practice, but, but games. Yeah, I know it does. So we're lucky enough that on Wednesdays, we have an athletic block where there's no classes offered. So we're allowed to play a lot of our out-of-conference games on Wednesdays. Tuesday is a big lab day. So our, our practice schedule is never consistent, right? So usually Tuesdays are going to be at night because it's a big lab day, but most of them are going to rotate from like Mondays and Thursdays can be like five to seven or six to eight. Fridays usually can be one to three, three to five. It's just random. We don't do morning practices here, but we're lucky enough that at Vassar, they have a ton of fields. So they try to have every team have their own facility. That way you don't have to compete with another team for practice time. So you can kind of work your own practice time to make the class schedule work. And you're able to change it on the fly if you have to, because the field is always available, which must be beneficial. Having You, you got to, you got, if, if you change the time for practice, you want to make sure you have a field. So having the field available, I'm sure makes it a lot easier for you. It does. But then, then you have to get in, is there going to be a trainer available? Yeah, because you need a trainer there. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, coach. Just looking at some of your your guys that are coming back, you got some some top scorers coming back for you. How integral is or do you use the portal at all? Because I know that the high academic schools tend to not do that as much. I've actually never seen it. Why is that? (laughs) Vassar has a two percent acceptance rate for transfers and it really comes down to no one leaves Vassar and it's about how many beds are open right mm. and every it's there's some that there's some that we've encouraged and helped we've only had one transfer in the history of the program and that was during the pandemic when it, no one knew it was going to happen right and I told them as like hey if you want to transfer you better do it now because they don't even know if they're going to like who meet who what kids are going to come back in the spring something like that right it only if guys reach out to me and they're interested and I, I tell them what they're looking for, but it, it's tough. It is really tough. So I don't, it's, I don't even try. Yeah. It's a waste of your time. If you're recruiting a guy and no one was maybe possibility of him getting accepted in admissions, not very strong, then why, why waste your time? Right. Exactly. And which it just means that we focus on our first years and the recruiting coming in and making sure that these are our guys and ride and die. How difficult is the admission process? You talk 2% are admitted transfer-wise. What about admissions-wise? What, what do you have for applicants? And what are the, what's the percentage? What, what are the requirements for admissions? Yeah, so I think this last year, this last 
uh, class or the, the ones that were just uh, admitted last year, the first years, I think it was roughly about between 14 and 16% acceptance rate. Right. And so the, it's, it really is, it's very similar to NESCAC, how it, it works here. Right. And so a big, a big part of it is you got to have really good grades. <laughs> right. Yeah. Even more important than, and for us, even more important than the really good grades are going to be the rigor. How many APs and are you challenging yourself in high school? Like if you had a 4.0 and no APs, then there's no way. Right. So the big, the big thing is like, I start recruiting really early, really early. I start, like I'm starting 26s right now. And then some 25, I'm mainly 25s and 26s that have reached out and have identified they like Vassar because I want to help them with their class scheduling. Right. So I spend two years with them, class scheduling, making sure they're taking the right classes. And hey, if Vassar's for them in the end, great. If it's not, all good. But at least they have a class schedule where they're going to have options in a lot of different schools that they can go to. So if they have the class schedule for Vassar, they're going to be fine for pretty much any college. I think it's incredible that kids that want to play at these high level universities just think that lacrosse will help them get in. And it's like, maybe it'll help you get admitted, but you still have to go and take APs. You still have to go past algebra two or algebra one. Like, I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of that. I, I talk to my kids about like, they want, I have a kid who's trying to be highly recruited as a face off guy right now. And I'm like, what are your classes like? He's like, don't worry about my classes, coach. I was like, no, I am worried about your classes because if you want to go to all these different places, you want to keep your options as wide open as you tell me, you have to be taking classes that are of higher level than I know that you are, right? Yeah. Like you have to be, no matter what the school's ranked, what state-wise, where your class rank is, if you are not take challenging yourself and doing well in classes that challenge you, you're probably not going to have as many options. And I, I wish like more coaches said that and, and in part as part of their, their pitch. Right. I mean, I think that's a huge part of playing college athletics. What I'm saying, I strongly, it doesn't matter if you went to Vassar or whatever college out there, you should be challenging yourself in high school because you want to hit the ground running. You want it because any college you go to college classes are hard. Yeah. That's just, the curriculum, the, the stats class at Vassar, I mean, is going to be very similar to the stats class at, UMass, right? Like the, the, the subject is the same. So it, I think it's important to understand that you have, you can't slack off in high school and expect to be like, oh, my, my first year in college, I'm going to be able to, you know, grind down. No, you have to gain those skills in high school to learn how to pass classes in college. Yeah, it's tough to just pick up the studies when you go to college if you're not, you know, studying in high school. I, I don't know of many successful athletes who didn't pay much attention in high school and expected to get by in, in, in college. I noticed on your schedule, you're heading to Georgetown, Texas for a couple of games. Is that something you do every spring? Yeah. So I give the the seniors a choice of where they want to go for spring break. I get, usually I give them like three or four options and say like, well, these are where I think I can get games. Right. And like, we've done LA, we've done Colorado, Florida, Virginia, all the places. Right. And they want to go to Austin. It's cool. And that's who we can get. <laughs> The Georgetown is the school in Austin. I think the choices this year was Memphis, Memphis, Austin, and Florida, just of how like the spring break schedule works with other teams. And they chose Austin, so we're excited about it. Coach, I'm going to give you recommendations for Austin. I lived in Austin for two summers. Awesome. Two of the best summers of my life. 
<laughs> it's it is it is very good if you are into Mexican food and Tex-Mex. You oh, yeah. will not be the same weight when you leave. Nah. It, it will it will get right into you, man. It, it is it is great. It, and Austin's a great city to to check out, and now it's much more populous than when I was there. But that's got to be amazing for a college kid to to check that out because it's it's very different than most people would think if they haven't been there before. No, Austin's great. I love South Congress. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I think we're gonna. They want it. It's, 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 how is lining up? The Texas State Livestock Auction and the Rodeo will be there in Austin. So they want to go watch some bull riding. We're trying to get tickets to the Oklahoma-Texas basketball game. That should be fun. So there's a bunch of cool yeah. stuff. Everyone gets a, gets a hat. Stats <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they can afford that. but <laughs> You get the little ones. You get the bowler ones. Yeah. <laughs> those, those are cheaper. And you can find those on 6th Street. Many, totally. many places. Yep. Not all colleges go on spring trips. You don't see a lot of Division One programs go on spring trips. But I... I found the spring trip was a great way to get to know your teammates, even your coaches. You're spending a lot of time with them off the field, on the field. I mean, you're with them 24-7 for 10 days. That's got to be uh, very beneficial for team building, building some chemistry, and something for the players to look forward to being in, in New York. The winters aren't very nice to us. You're going to go down there, have an opportunity to play in some nice weather and and build, build continue to build your culture. Yeah, no, team bonding is so important. And I really do feel that when you do one of these trips, it, it just becomes closer, right? And sometimes it's a bigger picture than the wins and losses. And it is the guys making their best friends for life and experiences that are going to shape them and who they are for their futures. Jack, you ever take a team on spring break? No, I have not. It's the most stressful time of your life, man. <laughs> it is. I've done it twice. I did it at St. A's and at Plymouth State. And, and actually, sorry, Franklin Pierce, we did it too. And I was just stressed out the whole time. I was yeah. like, guys, please be in the rooms. Don't make me tape your door shut. Please. I don't want to chase you. I don't want to chase you. And then I ended up chasing them. But coach, I'm sure you will not have that problem. You got a bunch of dedicated guys. I had a bunch of, bunch of ruffians for a, a, at least one of those schools was packed full of uh, a bunch of ruffians and their brothers. And they know I, who they are. So. I've been there. I've, I've done that. I doubt it. It's, it's, Stressful, but different stressful. It's about making sure how you're going to feed them. <laughs> yes, that <laughs> too. <laughs> you can't eat pizza for seven straight days. I mean, they can. They probably don't want to on the fifth or sixth day, but the first four days, they're they're locked into the the pizza wagon for sure. You have to be careful. With like, oh, we can't eat too many too much Mexican food we're playing and stuff. <laughs> that is also a concern. And what they can handle. <laughs> Absolutely, coach. How many players do you keep on a roster and how many players you normally bring in every fall? I know that that varies from year to year, but what kind of a roster do you like to keep and uh number of players you bring on a consistent basis every year? Yeah, so we, we keep a roster about around 50, right? And I feel that's kind of like the average or the norm now, right? And it really is it's a tough game, right? I We've never had 50 for practice. It's just... <laughs> you that, but... I, on a year, it's about how many, usually we try to bring in between 12 and 13, maybe sometimes as high as 14, but usually around 12 is our goal every year. Now, the school fully budgets 50 players. Can you have more if you wanted four? Is, is 50 the cap? The school fully budgets and helps us with everything or 50. They'll, it, it's a wiggle room. They would like it at 50. Very good. And in terms of players, Playing in the games, how many players 
you average that actually play in games with the 50-man roster. I think it's very important for parents to know that with the 50-man roster, what's the average number of players that play in each game? So my friend, one of my best friends, Matt, who's the you know, head coach at Emerson, <laughs> he makes fun of me if I play too many players. <laughs> would I throw like three lines of middies? I would say on average about 27. 27. So that again, that's probably more than the the, uh, the average that's out there. So even though you have 27 players, there's 23 that don't see the field. How do you keep those 23 players motivated and um, good teammates? Yeah, so it's about the experience, right? Making sure everyone feels equally important, right? Making sure that we do more as a team and we do a lot from our team bonding to spring break trips to like paintball and bowling and camping or whatever, any kind of events like you did together. And outside of that is giving equal opportunities in practice, right? Opportunities to show how they can improve and what they can do and being fully transparent. Coach, why am I not getting plenty of time? This is why, A, B, and C. And if that's not true, prove me wrong and let's do it, right? So I think it's about transparency and giving the opportunity to to play well. And in the end, it might not work out, but... Ultimately, we also try to, say, schedule some games where we give more opportunities, especially more scrimmages. So we do 15 games regular season, um, but we have a little bit more scrimmages than some teams do in February. And just so we can have more opportunities to showcase individually so they can improve and move up the depth chart. Coach, going into this next season, what what is your goal for the team in, in conference and out of conference in terms of wins? And, and what, what do you expect this team to achieve versus last year? Yeah, so a big thing is we um, have the players pick all the goal setting, mission statements, they create everything. I want total ownership on the players, right? I assist and guide them in making it. And their their goal is always going to be the same. Win the Liberty League, right? As it should be. You win the Liberty League and you have a good chance of probably going to national championship, right? So that's kind of the focus and we're going to work hard to get there. All right. I think that's going to do it, Coach. We we want to keep it short and sweet, get you in and out. And I think everyone that's listening is really familiar with, with Vassar now. And I think you'll probably get a couple more applicants. We'll, we'll see. We Thank try to help. No, no, of course. I appreciate it. And it's, we, we like guys from all over and our New England guys have done very well here. And sheesh, a, lot, a lot of a lot of good captains from the Boston area. Uh, I appreciate it. Good to hear. Well, me- it's me and your coach. Hope you feel better. Thank you. Yeah. Have a- Let me give my three places to eat recommendations. Yeah. In Austin, Gueros, local spot, California burrito, classic down there, and Jim's Diner. Believe it or not, Jim's Diner is the best, one of the best places to eat down there. So cool. awesome. check that out if you're in Austin. Will do. Thank you so much. And it's thanks great. again for listening to New England Cross Journals, Chasing the Gold Podcast. To Jack Pitelli, I'm Kyle Denny. We'll see you next time. <laughs>